everybody. It is so awesome to see y'all today. Thank you so much for tuning in to our TNT devotional. Go ahead, let us know where you're watching from and say hi to the rest of our church family in our chat and our comment section. If you don't know who I am, my name is Brady Jacobs. I am the junior high pastor for the NH student ministry at our Alvin campus. I love getting to lead our students and for all of my NH student families out there, I just want you to know your kids are awesome. I love them to death. I know God can do incredible things through each and every single one of them in their lives. And I want y'all to know, I'm always praying for y'all because I love these kids and I am not unaware of how chaotic it can be to have to raise them at home. And believe me, I am on your side. So I don't usually have the, I don't have the usual intro like some of the other pastors do here with a, I have a lovely wife and some adorable kids, not just yet. But I will say, this past week, I was moving into a new apartment near Town Center with three of our other student staff that we have. Um, you might know them from our 288 campus, Cole Kirkendall, Cade Lundberg, and Scotty Bettina. And I'm super excited to get to go through life together with them and to minister to all of our new neighbors in our complex. It's just a really awesome opportunity that God has given us, and I'm really excited to see what he does through that. Um, this past week, I think, has also just been a huge reminder for me on how much of a blessing it is to have some really awesome friends as an adult. And I would encourage you guys today, if you have some friends in your life that you know have just been a huge blessing to you that um, have gotten you through some tough times or made 2020 a little bit more bearable, um, I want to encourage you guys to take a moment during today and just reach out to those friends and just let them know that you appreciate them. It's something that I think we should do way more often, and oftentimes we can kind of get too busy and kind of fall out of loop with people. But friendship is one of the greatest blessings God gives us in life, and I think that we should really cherish it and give it the respect and reverence it deserves because life without friends is really boring, and I'm super excited to have that opportunity. I'm also super excited to get to do this devotional with you today because today also happens to be my 23rd birthday. I have been serving alongside the rest of this uh, amazing staff we have at this church since I was 17. I've been here since I was in fifth grade, and I'm so excited to get to spend another year um, just getting to do ministry with this church, to do life with y'all, and just to enjoy having this church family because y'all have been such a huge blessing for me in the, in the basically almost all my life. And I really, really do appreciate just having the blessing of getting to be with this church. Um, I have a couple of announcements for us to go through before we get started with our lesson today. I want to say if this is your first time joining us for these devotionals, uh, just so you know, we do these every single Tuesday and Thursday at 8 a.m. We do these on our Facebook and our YouTube channel. And it's more than just a devotional. This is our opportunity to get to connect with one another, to get to pray for one another and just encourage each other. So if you have any prayer requests that you need or anything that you want to celebrate with us, or if you just want to chat with someone, um, that's what our chat and our comment section is for. So don't be afraid to type in any prayer requests you have or just to reach out and tag someone that you think should be joining us this morning. Um, we would just really love to have whatever kind of connection we can have with each other today. 
Uh, before we go, move on, a couple other things I want to talk about. Um, if you haven't already been attending service with us, but you've been tuning into our devotionals or you're interested in getting to see a little bit more of what our church does, we have in-person services every weekend and an online service. And I would love to invite you to join us for a service at any of our four campuses. We have our 288, our Alvin, our Friendswood, and our Webster campuses. And we have services every Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. And on Sundays, we have service at 8.15, 9.45, and 11.15, with the exception of our Webster campus that does not have an, 18, an 8.15 service currently. But you can also catch us online at our 9.45 service if you're uncomfortable being in person due to COVID or you're not exactly close to any of our campuses because you are a little farther away. Anything to get you connected, we are totally excited about, and we're just happy to have you join us. So just wanted to extend that invite for y'all. And you can also watch our live service online at newhopechurch.tv as well. And we'll have it on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel, just like we do these. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is life groups are coming up soon. Our adult groups are coming up soon. We've been recruiting leaders and getting ready for that. And I'm super excited to um, potentially get to host one maybe in our new apartment. We'll see. Um, but I will say our student life groups are coming up this Sunday, January 24th, starting at 6 o'clock. We go 6 to 7.30. We're going to do these for the next like eight or so weeks. And these are a really, really, really awesome opportunity for any of your students, whether you have a fifth grader or a 12th grader, boy or girl, all of our students are welcome to come to these. And I encourage you to bring them this weekend as we start our groups. Um, they're just such an awesome opportunity for them to get to build friendships with other people in our church, to be led by people around their age and people that love Jesus and they just want to guide students deeper in their faith. And our groups last semester went really awesome, and I can't wait to see what they do this semester because I think God's going to do something really, really special through each and every one of them. Uh, next, I want to mention our Shine Through event is still coming up. It's going to be happening in February. Uh, Night to Shine is one of my favorite events that we do as a church. Um, we've been doing it for about six years now, and even though this year might look a little different, I think it's still going to be a really great time for everybody that's going to be attending. Um, if you don't know what Ninth to Shine is, it's basically sponsored by the Tim Tebow Foundation, and it's where we basically have a prom night for people with special needs where they get to be loved and have fun, and everyone gets to be prom royalty, everyone gets a crown, everyone gets to be celebrated in such a special, awesome way. And this year, what we're going to do is that's going to be a virtual celebration for the actual Night to Shine. But our Shine Through event is happening Saturday, February 6th at 6 o'clock here at the 2D8 campus. And we're basically just going to have our guests drive by to pick up their tuxes and dresses and whatever other party stuff they need to celebrate in the virtual event. And we want as many volunteers as we can have to just be standing around celebrating, cheering, and encouraging them as they come by. And this will be our way to celebrate them in person. Uh, you can look into how to volunteer with that on our events page at our website, newhopechurch.tv. And... I will say this, masks will be required, and we will be doing our best to try to social distance because we want to love our neighbors well, and some of those people that will be coming to pick up stuff might have compromised immune systems and things like that, and we just want to be able to respect them and honor them and allow them to be able to be celebrated as well. So that's pretty much all the announcements I have for us today. 
So I'm going to take a quick moment to go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started with our devotional. So let's pray. God, I just want to take a moment and pray that this devotional will be one in which we receive a message that we need to hear today. I pray that you'd be working through everything I say, that whatever is of me would be forgotten, and whatever is from you would be kept and stored in our hearts, that we could meditate and remember it and that we would live it out throughout this week. I pray that we would have open minds and open hearts as we study your word together, and that this would be a place where we can just be open to whatever you have to teach us this morning. We love you so much, Lord. It's in your holy name we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So today we are going to be continuing looking through Proverbs. We're going to be in Proverbs 24. And I encourage you, if you have a Bible with you, read along with me. I kind of just took this one off of one of the NH student staff desk in our office. Um, but find a Bible if you have one nearby you, and we're going to break this passage down. So Proverbs 24, we're going to start with verse 1. So let's read this together. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their minds devise violence, and their lips speak of trouble. What a nice, kind, wonderful, really, really charming way to start out a chapter, am I right? Um, this chapter really starts without holding anything back. Um, do not be envious of evil men. When I first read that, I didn't really feel like I was going to relate to it as much as I did. But the more I reflected on that verse, the more I was really thinking about how easy it is for us to envy bad people sometimes. Because when you really think about it, Evil men are sometimes the most charismatic, the most influential, the wealthiest, the seemingly happiest people on earth. And it makes it really enticing to want to be by their side, to want to be in their crowd, to want to um, find any way that we can benefit from those people. Um, they could also be really intimidating and imposing, which makes it really hard to oppose them. Um, it makes me think of some people's bosses and just some maybe some family relationships and things like that where um, it can be hard to speak up when people in our lives are um, people that everyone else respects and everyone else like reverences. But at the end of it all, they might not be that great people. Um, one of my favorite authors, Flannery O'Connor, she has a whole story, a short story called A Good Man is Hard to Find, and it's one of my favorite uh, little short stories uh, that I got to read in college. But that saying is very true, mostly because good men probably are not seeking attention the way evil men do. Um, evil men want to be noticed. They want all of the ego. They want all of the glory. And they will do whatever it takes to get there, even if it requires stepping on the necks of whoever they need to to elevate themselves up, to get money, power, and glory, whatever their heart desires. Good men, probably content with just living through life and enjoying having loving relationships with people and just being content with what God gives them, which is why we don't notice them as much, but we're thankful when we find them in our lives. Um, I was also reminded of a verse in Mark, uh, Mark eight thirty six, which Jesus tells his disciples, what does it profit a man to gain the world and forfeit his soul? And I just really think about that in this verse because I think evil men are so quick 
to sacrifice whatever they need to, whatever they feel is necessary to get their goals done, to accomplish whatever they need to accomplish. But what do they gain for all of that work if their soul is wretched in the end of it? When in doubt, there's always way more cons than pros to keep with the company of evil men, even if we really want that promotion or we really need that one um, benefit or we really just want the respect that we've been seeking for so long. Um, none of that is worth it in the end of it if it comes from an evil man. Their word doesn't really have that much value in the end of the day. And as we go through this chapter, we're going to see things don't really work out for evil people in the long run. And I'm excited to kind of dig into that. But the other thing I really noticed here is in verse 2 it says, Why we should not be envious of evil men is because their minds devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. Um, MLK Day was yesterday, and me being a January birthday, I always end up having my birthday land on that day every once in a while, and I'm like, woohoo, no work that day. But he is one of the people that I think spoke to this issue so greatly, and it's why he was such a monumental figure in history. Um, when other people were devising violence and seeking whatever means they could to try to push their movement and to accomplish the things they wanted to accomplish, he was the one that was bold enough to say, there's way better ways we can go about this that are not going to bring um, more difficulty along the way. And I think nonviolence is something that's kind of hard for us to accept sometimes because I think our culture, um, we're raised up in a place where it says, where we say, you know, if a kid hits you on the playground, hit him back. If someone does something to you, make sure that you t stand up for yourself. And while that might sound great in theory, that's not something Jesus ever actually tells us to do. And as I was sitting on this verse, I know I feel like I'm talking forever about just the first two verses in this chapter, but they really hit home with me this week. And I would be amiss if I didn't share what I got from this with you. Um, it's hard for us to accept nonviolence. It's really tempting sometimes to lash out in anger. And when I'm talking about violence, I'm not just talking about physical violence. I'm talking about emotional violence, arguments, um, cutting people down with our words, um, those things that where Jesus says that it's not just the action of sin, it's the desire of sin that shows in our hearts. That's kind of what, more of what I'm thinking here. I think that it's become a bit of an idol where we disguise it as this necessary evil in our culture of, well, we need to stand strong and carry a big stick, but we don't have to use it. We just have to have it there for power and intimidation. Or, um, you know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. It's a broken world. It's a messed up world. But Jesus modeled pacifism all throughout his ministry. Even in the story where people say, like, oh, he threw a temple tantrum, um, where he fashioned a whip and he drove the money changers out of the temple and he flipped tables and he kind of does a 180 from the calm and quiet Jesus we picture sometimes. But even in that story, there's still a practice of nonviolence in the sense that Jesus is God, and he's able to enact justice where he sees fit, and he's able to cleanse his temple when he needs to because it deserves reverence. And even as you read through the whip uh, passage and stuff like that, there's a bunch of commentators and people that have studied the story where they're 
You know, people still argue over, did he actually hit people, or was it just the sound scaring people away, and all that kind of stuff, because people can argue about everything forever. But I think where it really shows is the crucifixion. Jesus never defended himself, even as he was being led to the cross. He went so far as to even criticize his disciples for wanting to defend him from being arrested. Um, he cut off a man's, or Peter cut off a man's ear, and Jesus not only called him out for it, but he healed the man's ear so that no one would be hurt in his arrest. And he encouraged us to follow that example and martyrdom. And the early church had so many people practice that because of the culture they were stuck in and the world they were living in. Um, even today, Christians are giving their very lives because of the faith that they refuse to deny because they know the value of the gospel. And it can be so easy to get angry and flustered, and I think our tolerance for people is just getting smaller and smaller by the day. But we don't make wise decisions in our anger. We pretty much always make the one that burns bridges or is going to lead to an awkward conversation afterward. And we need to remember that the church didn't start out that way. The church was a light in the darkness because of how opposite they were to that mentality and that attitude. Um, even under the Roman Empire, Christians were being ruthlessly murdered. They were thrown in the Colosseum as lion food. They were burned at stakes. And some of the most inspiring and amazing testimonies of heroes of the faith standing up for what they believe in come from this era of the church because they knew the gospel, they knew the hope of the future, they knew that this life is not where it ends, and they were willing to stand strong in the face of death, finding comfort and embracing this eternal peace that would be way better than any kind of temporary suffering that they endure in the meantime. And I wish that we could kind of adopt that same attitude today when we can be so pessimistic about circumstances and so quick to throw our hands in the air and say, oh, the end times and everything's falling apart and I can't believe all this is going on when people have gone through worse with more um, resolve, I believe, than the church today because they had to step up to the plate when they needed to. Um, and speaking of MLK Day, I wanted to do a not-so-shameless plug for a book recommendation for those of you who made the New Year's resolution to read more this year. Uh, Strength to Love by MLK is one of the best books I've ever read in my life. I had to do a honors discussion on this book when I was in my junior year of college, and this book absolutely wrecked me. I think it is one of the most relevant books that we can talk about today. I think that every Christian that lives in America should read this book this year. And see the difference in the way that he talks about issues we're going through today compared to some of the conversations that we have nowadays. Um, he was not liked in his lifetime. He was one of the most hated men in his day and age. Um, people that were even in the same side of the movement as he was complained that he wasn't rash enough, that he wasn't bold enough, or that he wasn't... Um, standing up for what he believed in as much as other people were. The church, literally there were churches in America that had complete sermons against him. They thought that he was um, blasphemous and that he was leading people astray. And nowadays the church looks at him as this icon because we realize it wasn't really wrong. Um, 
But I highly recommend that book, and I just wanted to read a quick passage of it today in light of uh, MLK Day happening yesterday. Um, this is from a sermon called A Tough Mind and a Tender Heart, and this is his mindset on his movement and why he believed so much in nonviolence being the Christian answer to standing for what we believe in. He said, a third way is open to our quest for freedom, namely nonviolent resistance. This combines tough-mindedness and tender-heartedness and avoids the complacency and do-nothingness of the soft-minded and the violence and bitterness of the hard-hearted. My belief is that this method must guide our nation in the present crisis in race relations. Through nonviolent resistance, we shall be able to oppose an unjust system, but at the same time love the perpetrators of the system. We must work passionately and unrelentingly for full stature as citizens, but it may never be said, my friends, that, we used, that to gain it, we had to use the inferior methods of falsehood, malice, hate, or violence. That kind of thinking is bold, and it's counterintuitive to what we desire to do. But it is one of the things that I believe is so necessary for the church today to remind ourselves that we are called to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, because in loving him, we learn to love others well. And if the church wants to be a beacon of hope today, we need to learn how to love one another so that we can love the world and love the people who are made just as much in the image of God as any of the rest of us are. So I know I just spent forever on the first two verses here, but I want to read through some more of this and um, kind of take it apart a little bit more um, as we go. So I'll get off my soapbox now. Um, we'll pick up in verse 3. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, and a man of knowledge increases power. For by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Wisdom has been brought up a lot in this uh, series as we've kind of gone through the book of Proverbs. And as it should, because Solomon was the wisest king in Israel's history. And his reign was the only one that never had a single battle or a single war. He was an example of how the pen can be mightier than the sword because he had more wealth, more land, and more respect among all of the world's nations than any other ruler in all of Israel's history. He didn't rely on intimidation and power to be seen as authoritative. He relied on following God's heart and being a leader that, that um, set the example of the wisdom of God leading his people. And other leaders from other nations came to him asking him what his secret was, asking him how he was so successful because he didn't look like the rest of the world. He looked like what God called us to be, loving, kind, respecting, and wise, because he asked for one thing from the Lord, and that was the wisdom to lead his people well. Carrying on, um, in verse 7, it says that wisdom is too exalted for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. One who plans to do evil, men will call a schemer. The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to men. If you are slack in the day of distress, your strength is limited. Deliver those who are being taken away to death, and those who are staggering them to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this, does, not, does he not consider it who weighs our hearts? 
and does he not know it and does he not know it who keeps your soul will he not render to man according to his work i want to pause here for a second because i got wrecked when i was reading through um this part here i felt convicted i felt um I also felt a passion for the gospel reading these last couple of verses. It might not seem like it at first because it's talking about um, deliver those being taken away to death and those staggering into the slaughter. It's like, how does that have the gospel here? But I think this is a vivid picture, picture for those of us who believe in this gospel on why it matters and why it's so important that we share this with the people in our lives who don't know the gospel. If you truly believe that you have been saved by a loving and gracious God when we did not deserve anything but death because of our sinfulness and our brokenness, because no matter how hard we try, we're never going to be good enough to reach perfection. We're never going to be good enough to earn heaven. If you really believe that Jesus is the truth and the life and the one and only way to the Father, that he loved you enough to see all of your brokenness, all of your failures, all of your mistakes, every time that you fall short, and yet he still loved you enough to give his life for you, that he endured being given false testimony against him, being beaten, being whipped, being given a crown of thorns, being mocked by the very same people who were celebrating his entry just a couple of days earlier, carrying his own cross across the city, being nailed to it, hanging there until he died, and yet even on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they're doing, and being so willing to give himself up for us, for you, because he loves you that much, because he knew you couldn't save yourself, because he knew that you needed a savior. If you really believe the gravity of that gospel, that weight of glory that Jesus has given to us, that he has saved us and redeemed us and given us grace and forgiven us, even though we did not deserve any of that, but we also believe that only through him we get salvation, only through him we get redemption, how could we not share that with the people in our lives? How could we be so afraid of an awkward encounter or so afraid or so afraid of um, making someone upset just for trying to share with them the hope that we have, the grace that we've been given, the love of God that we know that we need in our lives because our hearts are empty without it? The Bible doesn't just put the weight of evangelism on apostles or missionaries. It's not just on pastor's jobs to preach sermons on weekends and hope people respond to them well. We've all been given the calling of being an ambassador for Christ, to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God, which means that we are all given the calling to set the example. And we might not have thought that we applied for that job, but we've already been given it. And God knows that you know your responsibility in that. God knows your heart about that. God knows how scary it can be sometimes, but God also knows that he's given us a whole book of encouragement, that he will be with us in the times of trial, that he will be with us when we're hurting, that he's going to fight with us whenever we're in battle, that he's on our side, that he loves us and he cares for us, that there's nothing we could ever do to make him not care about us the way that he already does. We'll nev he'll never love us any less than he already loves us because he's given us our whole, his whole heart. So as I was reading this today, I was really just convicted on imagining who are the people in my life that I've allowed to stagger toward destruction. The people in my life that though I say I love them, that though I say I care about them, 
I don't always care about them enough to really be the example in faith for the people in my life, for encouraging them and showing love to them. When they fall, am I there to pick them back up again the way Jesus would, being the hands and feet of Christ? So try not to spend too long in each of these verses. I feel like I could go on for hours because there's just so much good stuff here. But also, what can I say? You signed up for the uh, convicting pastor <laughs> for the Devo today. But um, let's keep reading here. Starting in verse 13. My son, eat honey, for it is good. Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is thus for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not destroy his resting place. For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. That passage there is one that I just wanted to say is a really awesome reminder. If you feel like you've been falling, if you feel like you're not um, ever really getting the chance to get back on your feet. Though we may fall seven times, and I would even say 77 times or 7 million times, God is always there to pick us back up. He's a loving father. He cares about his children. He cares about you. And though we may fall, there will be one day where we rise forever, where we will never fall again. We'll never have to shed a tear. We'll never have to feel pain. We'll never have to endure suffering anymore. And there will come a day where we rise higher than we have ever fallen. And I cannot wait for that day to come. So carrying on. The wicked stumble in time of calamity. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he, stum when he stumbles. Or the Lord will see it and be displeased and turn his anger away from him. Just want to say this. Sometimes we can feel like just because we have grace on our side, God only notices the sins of people in our lives and doesn't see ours. But let me say this. We might not have eternal consequences for our actions anymore because of the grace in Christ but there are still very real consequences for them in this life. When you're a kid and you break a cookie jar, your parents are still gonna catch you and have a talking to you about it. When you fail a test, you're still gonna get a bad grade. When we say something that we're gonna regret later, we can't take back our words, but we can seek forgiveness. Um, when you burn a bridge, you can't expect it to fix itself overnight because you forgot something on the other side. So even though we are not free from the consequences of our actions, we are given grace to continue and carry ourselves again. So when we see other people in our life um, that are not doing so well, and we kind of find joy in that, and we kind of put ourselves on a pedestal when we see that, God doesn't ignore that. And that verse was just one of those little reminders where I was like, I need to reflect on that a little bit. Um, to keep going here. Um, let's see where we're at. Verse 19. Do not fret because of evildoers, or be envious of the wicked, for there will be no future for the evil of man, or for there will be no future for the evil man. The life, the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Any kind of fear you have because of people is a temporary fear. <laughs> this year is off to a bit of a crazy start. And I know that there's plenty of anxiety and tension because I'm a professional at it being anxious about a lot of things. But it's just a constant reminder in these um, verses there that no matter what people do, the consequences of that are temporary for now. 
and the eternity that we have coming for us is going to be far greater than any issues that we face on this earth. And that, my friends, is always an encouraging statement for us to remember. Um, keep going here. Uh, verse 21, my son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those who have been given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruin that comes from both of them? These are also the sayings of the wise. To show partiality and judgment is not good. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, people will curse them. Nations will abhor him. And to those who rebuke the wicked will be delight. And a good blessing will come upon them. He kisses the lips of those who give a right answer. Prepare your work outside and make it ready for yourself in the field. Afterwards, then, build your house. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause. Do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. Pausing here. If we can't love our enemies, we cannot say that we love with the love of God. If we find it in our hearts to seek revenge instead of forgiveness, if we choose to exact vengeance instead of grace, we cannot say we are living in God's love because we are living in a worldly love that only cares for people who love us back. And that is not a revolutionary love. That is just being human. God calls us to higher standards than that. And finally, this last part here, starting in verse 30. I passed by the field of the sluggard, by the vineyard of the man lacking sense, and behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it, I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will come as a robber, and your want like an armed man. The first thing I thought of when I saw that last passage here was, how's that New Year's resolution going? Are you still going to the gym? That book that you said you were going to start reading, has it been touched yet? Sometimes we can get so caught up in the habit of daily life that we tell ourselves, I'm just going to take an off day. I just need a little nap. Um, I just need to take a little break from that. I'll get back to it later. And then we never pick it up again. So the year is still starting. There's still time for us to get into good habits. There's still time for us to start changing our lifestyle to be healthier, to care for ourselves better, to care for others better. Um, so take a little uh, inventory check on how good you've been about sticking to those dedications that you've been given, those commitments you've made for yourself. And that's pretty much all I have for you guys today. I know it kind of went a little long because I got a little carried away there, but uh, I just want to say thank you so much once again for joining us for our devotional this morning. I hope that um, the Lord has been speaking to you in some way today, and I'm going to pray for you, and I hope that you guys have an amazing week. We, I hope that you'll see us um, next Thursday for our next devotional, and you'll join us for service this weekend, but we love you guys so much. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to just be able to connect with one another in ways that we have never been able to before, that we're able to gather together online, that we can pray for one another, and that we can build one another up in the way that you call us to. I pray that we would be willing to be nonconformists, that we are willing to stand up for what you tell us to believe in, that we would be loving radically, that we would be showing grace and forgiveness and mercy, that even when the world wants to turn against one another, we would be able to turn toward one another in love and grace, that we can seek 
unity with one another, that we can find ways to embody what it means to be the kingdom of God, that no matter our differences, we are all children of God, we are made in your image, and that every single one of us is loved unconditionally by you, and that we could just learn to love one another the way that you love us. We love you so much, Lord. It is in your holy name we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We love and appreciate y'all, and see you next time. Bye.